In the studio, we have a winner, uh, Dr. Kira Kelly, uh, Greystone's GP, regular co-presenter of the Right Hook Health Checkup. Kira, welcome to the program. Thank you, George. We had a great fella last week. I heard. You're on, yeah, you're on, this is my job. You're on another holiday. Um, and and uh, this was a fellow called Professor Mike Nicholas, who was a sleep expert. Yeah. It's extraordinary how many people don't sleep. It's huge people, what people don't sleep. And, you know, sleep deprivation is as closely, if not more closely, related to um, ill health and early mortality and those kinds of things as smoking or high cholesterol. Now, we were talking earlier on about David Cameron high jinks. Yes. And apparently it's at uh, the feet of the feminists who are now not allowing young men to get up to I was antics. shouting at the radio listening to you on the way in, by I the way. I didn't say a word. You and your man guess. from Spiked saying, oh, the poor lads, the poor lads. We're not allowed yeah. to smack girls on the bum anymore. It's no, so, he said that. It's so he hard for that. us. He I, said that. I wanted desperately to be in the studio at the time he to give him a good that. talking to. Him, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not you, of course. No. 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 So you put on your most feminist outfit today, refuse to brush your hair, curl your curlers or do anything uh, and come in and wear any makeup. You're very lucky to be on radio. I, lucky I, it is radio. I'm going to take the first question myself, if you don't mind. OK. All right. Because the question was, somebody is having um, their varicose veins done. They're having a vascular operation. Mm -hmm which I'm familiar with. Yeah. But they asked the question, can I fly two weeks later? So with your permission, I rang Shane O'Neill, the vascular surgeon in the Blackrock Clinic. Sean. Uh, Sean, not Shane. <laughs> Just Thank to give him his right name. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, he's your vascular surgeon. He is. So I said, I asked Sean, sorry, Sean. I asked Sean about this. And he said, normally, they would say four weeks. Uh, but... Obviously, you ask your surgeon, but I understand somebody might be trying to book airline tickets before they have the op. But he said also, there's a vast difference between getting a plane to London and getting a plane to New York. Yeah, total difference. One is the length of the journey, but two is the pressure in the cabin because you go up much higher yeah. if you're flying long distance than if you're going to um, London, which is kind of a short hop and the plane never goes that high. So the pressures are different. What we would often say, and don't mean to to, to correct Sean, although I'm, I'm quoting him, in fact, is, is four weeks for a flight to somewhere like the UK. But if you're going long haul, like the States or somewhere like that, you'd look more like six weeks. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I just talked that question. Yeah, I meant to ask you. Your man Brendan O'Carroll, you know Mrs. Brand. I do. The children or daughters or whatever. Yeah. I've never seen it, but his daughter was thirty-six weeks pregnant. Yeah. Got to the steps, the bottom of the steps on the Aer Lingus plane, and they said you can't get on, and and she started jumping up and down, despite being thirty-six weeks <laughs> pregnant, and they referred her. They referred her. To the the terms and conditions, which they won't take people thirty six weeks and over. The the reason for that is George, though, because of the increase. Your due date, okay, gives you a ninety percent chance of having the baby ten days before or ten days 
after that due date. So that's that's what that is. But as you move out from there, you're 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 getting closer and closer. Like thirty eight weeks is full term in, in a pregnancy. So thirty six weeks, you're quite close to term, and they're afraid that somebody's going to give birth on the plane and not have any facilities and be doing that whole is there a doctor on board and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's a fairly standard clause. And in fact, women from much earlier in their pregnancy usually look for a letter from their GP to state that they are prior to the 36 weeks cut off and that they are, are actually you know that, a, allowed fly. Yeah, Brendan O'Carroll's daughter claimed that her GP said it was okay. I found that difficult. I found it difficult to believe that a GP would tell a woman 36 weeks pregnant, yeah, it's okay to fly. It's hard for us to say because we don't, we don't know the ins and outs of this at all, do we? But um, I would always say to a woman at that stage of pregnancy that, um, you know, flying probably isn't a great idea. Bear in mind that people occasionally have to make flights even when they're pregnant, provided they can kind of get around. Because she has to work or something? No, no. Well, well, imagine you had a funeral to go to. Imagine you had a parent who died or something like that. You know what I mean? There are difficulties people have where, where you might make exceptions. So you go... But in the main, you wouldn't recommend oh, somebody okay. flying. I, I tell you, if it was my child, she wouldn't be on the plane anyway, that's for sure. They're now, we're moving in the area here where I know nothing about. So okay. I won't... I didn't know that area existed, George. Well, the same as last week. I won't say a word for the duration right. of the piece. 40-year-old female, short luteal phase, period one week after ovulation, two recent miscarriages. Please help. What's she looking for help for? Miscarriages? Yeah, you've got a 40-year-old woman who obviously wants to have a baby. She's had two recent miscarriages and her luteal phase is short. What that means, George, is, is the period between ovulation and having your... The, the, the period of time between ovulation and having your period um, is usually two weeks. And this woman has a shorter period of time uh, of one week she needs to go and see a gynecologist and see whether or not she needs to be on some kind of medication sometimes women do go on things like uh, progesterone and aspirin and various sort of hormone manipulations um, in very very early pregnancy or um, there, there are things that can be done shall we say but she'd have to go and get specialist advice on this although for her to know all these kind of terms and stuff I'm wondering has she already had specialist that advice that sounds like it yeah so. I um, don't think you have a please help answer here. No, I don't. I don't. There's, I don't have a magic yeah. cure for this one. But um, I think she needs to sit down with a gynae and see what her options are. Well, you might be able to help this poor fella because he has uh, folliculitis on his beard for ten years. I know. Now he's on uh, tetradisal daily. He can it controls it, but he wants. But he now wants you to have another magic bullet for him. Why doesn't he shave the beard? As a, a simple answer. I I read this and I wondered, but he says his beard region. I wonder, does he not have a beard? I wonder if part of the problem is is that he, he does shave. I think he means the beard region rather than him having a beard, George. Oh, I see. And I think that's why he has the folliculitis. I think he, he's going over his quite sensitive, easily inflamed and infected skin with a razor once a day. No, can I just say He's someone some who might should probably grow a beard. Oh, that's a very smart yes. answer. Yeah, that's very clever. Because uh, the thing is, like all uh, people, hard to believe somebody as good looking as me once suffered from acne. But one of the problems when you were a kid, if you used a razor, you know, it, it made it worse. Yeah. Wouldn't an electric razor be a better way of using it and be less less invasive on Do the Do you know, it, it might be because the, the actual blade not just doesn't just take away the hair it takes away a layer of skin as you say yeah. and that's why people's skin is red and they have to use bams and aftershave yeah. and all sorts of things so an electric razor where, where you never get quite the same cut might be a very yeah. good idea and maybe this guy would actually uh, 
text us in and tell us does he have a beard or not because we're thinking he should grow a beard now. Okay, that'd be very good if you give me that. Now, I'm just rubbing my cheek here, yes. right? I'm just saying that my skin has become wonderful in recent I was, months. I was actually only thinking that. <laughs> no, but I'm using, instead of using aftershave, I'm using just conventional Nivea. It comes in a little jar, yeah. a little white jar. And it makes a huge difference after shaving. It does. And, and and to your appearance, if I may say so, George. Oh, well, that wasn't the question. But yes. 30, oh, no. Um, oh, no. I'm really worried about this one. He has acid reflux. Yeah, I saw I this. rang him from Chicago with acid reflux and he told me to call an ambulance. <laughs> and You're a, never going to forget that, are and you? And a hiatus hernia. Right? Yeah. Now, he, this poor fella, he's tried medications. Uh, he's lost weight. He can't even drink a glass of water without without it coming back up. Yeah. Can you get that bad? Oh, you can. And and for the vast majority of people, uh, a simple medication and some lifestyle but changes. he's tried them all. Yeah, he's tried them all. So he really needs to go and talk to a surgeon about whether or not it is indicated in this case. And I'm saying this in this specific case, because for the most people, I would not be saying this. To get the hiatus hernia fixed. You can have an operation called a fundoplication, okay, where you get, for want of a better description, the top of your stomach and you tie it around the bottom of your esophagus. You kind of make like a sock around the bottom of your esophagus so that things can't keep coming back up, basically. Um, And it's not a very pleasant operation and it isn't always a very successful operation. And it isn't indicated for most people. But if you're this guy and you've tried everything else and you can't keep a glass of water down... What we talk about in terms of surgery is sort of risk benefit ratios and certainly he might benefit here and in most times the risk would outweigh the benefit but I think this guy we may be seeing the balance tip the other way because he's obviously you know really put upon by all of this and he's done everything else that he can do. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's terrible lifestyle difficulty. The Jonathan and Lucan, I have no sympathy for these fellas at all, right? Once upon a time, we were a relatively reasonable kind of race of people, you know. And then they brought in marathons. You know, marathons used to be only run by serious Olympians. Now they're run by every Tom, Dick and Harry. Women, no less, right? Can you believe that? I mean, yeah. that's outrageous. But Jonathan, when he goes running... He's 33, he gets awful red blotches. Stop running, no? Uh, I would say that... How would you get blotches from running? I would guess that Jonathan has a sweat dermatitis, which is that he's pumping sweat, he's running long distances, and the salt in his sweat is irritating his skin, and his skin, his lovely pasty Irish skin, is becoming irritated by it. So what he probably needs to do is maybe have a a cool, not a hot, a cool shower before and after running. Um, He may need to take an antihistamine, and he may need to use moisturisers on his skin, effectively like your your Nivea Moria that you were just talking about. It. Yeah, I like moisturizers. I'm a great fan of moisturizers. They've made a great difference, by the way, to my itchy scrotum. Oh, God. The amount of people, George, when I'm, I'm out that I meet who ask after your scrotum is a terrible, terrible indictment. <laughs> I, 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 It wasn't for this I did medicine, let me tell you. Yeah, right. Ursula's 50-odd. Problems with her legs, pain, heaviness, varicose veins, stiffness walking, afraid of surgery. Father was on warfarin for years, got brain hemorrhage, stroke, died mid-70s. Can I... Start this conversation. You, 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 you certainly start it. Our friend Sean O'Neill, alias Shane, right? <laughs> Our friend Sean O'Neill. When I talked to him, and I also talked to a guy called Rona Margie, who's a heart guy in the matter, private and core. 
We in Ireland are a bit too casual about varicose veins because of the circulation issues that they create. So should we not say that as Ursula in her 50s that she should do something about these varicose veins because circulation, like she talks about her father, are quite dangerous, no? Would um, you buy that? You wouldn't. I th- well, I think particularly this woman, even parking that slightly, this woman is symptomatic and I think she's afraid of the operation. But the operation is relatively not, no operation is 100% safe, but it is relatively safe. And they have all kinds of new uh, ways of doing the operation, George, for example, laser as opposed to the kind of old fashioned. 700 degrees centigrade, Germain O'Neill told me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I said, don't miss the bloody veins or you burn my leg off. Well, exactly. But so, so there's lots of new ways. It isn't the old fashioned stripping of the veins that yeah. used to go on. Um, and those have, have made it much simpler. You don't have to have a general anaesthetic. It can be done under conscious sedation and all that kind of stuff. So the operation has become safer and safer over time. And she is only 50 and she's having all these problems. Um, I've had patients have it done right up into their 70s without any difficulty. I think she should at least go and get an opinion because this is really bothering her. And I think she might find it enormously um easier if she didn't have these varicose veins and actually the operation isn't that big a deal. All right. Uh, the, the first thing is uh, it's the right hook health checkup with Kira Kelly. But uh, somebody said, you ha- Dermot says you haven't said anything gross yet. He's just late. <laughs> he was late in with that text. You're wrong on the cabin pressure. Am I? Yes. Have we got a pilot on uh, on with us on ton, board? A ton of them. Um, the International Air Pilots Association, I think all their members are ringing in. But the point is, the, 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 the thing, the cabin pressure remains the same. The problem is, it's the length of time you're at that pressure going to Hong Kong or Australia as or America as opposed to going to London. Okay. It's the length of time you're at the pressure. I thought it was both, but anyway, we, 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 we might yeah. come back to that next week. Yes. Uh, uh, Sean O'Neill also said an important thing, of course, about the plane. We're plugging the hell out of Sean oh, O'Neill, listen, isn't it? Sean, if you don't get a few customers <laughs> out of it. No, but he, he made a very valid point. We also tend not to move around, you see, on the plane, yeah. which is almost as bad as everything else. Right. Uh, and most seats have no leg room whatsoever. All right, boils in my armpit. I hate fellas who get boils in the armpit. He is two now, but for the first time, I have a lump under the skin that feels like a rope or a vein. Is it the boil or my breasts? The listener says, 34, can't get to a doctor before Friday, so needs an answer. Okay, first thing I would say to you is, is don't panic, it's probably all fine. I would say what you're feeling, the hard, ropey, lumpy thing that isn't a boil, is probably a cyst. What happens in your armpit, we're back to folliculitis, George. We're back to an area of hair follicles with wider pores than normal skin. So bugs can get in, first of all, to infect them. But also these pores, because they're bigger, can get plugged more easily and you can get a backlog or a buildup behind the blocked pore and you get a cyst. So lots of people have cysts in their armpits um, and lots of people have infections in their armpits. And people, uh, is this a man or a woman? Man? It sounds like a woman the way they mentioned the word breasts. Okay, maybe a woman. Um, and women tend to shave their armpits too, which does a bit like what we, I always what we were saying that about was our, our, a bad idea. Yeah, a bit like what we were saying about our bearded fella running uh, off a rusty razor in the shower over your armpit, just kind of irritate the hell out. I of it. think it was a bad move when women fifty years ago, truthfully, started shaving their armpits. Well, you, you may well be right, and they don't I do don't it everywhere. France is still very hairy. France and Germany, the continentals yeah. are much hairier. They, lo- they love the hairy, hairy armpits there, um, yeah. but. So this is a combination. It's quite actually erotic, I think. 
I'll take your word for that. The other thing is, I do want to talk about my underpants, if I may. Well, it wouldn't be the Friday, it wouldn't be no. the, the right hook health check, oh, rather, if, right. if no, you didn't. No. Well, actually, I'm not talking about, the reason I'm talking about underpants, last two, two weeks ago, you said somebody had an itchy scrotum and you talked about a powder starting with... I did, caldecine powder. Right. And Here, no, this is interesting. It's a genuine medical question okay. for me, right? Because I'm now uh, careful about body odour, right? Mm -hmm. I use a roll-on deodorant under my arms. Yeah. But I get incredibly itchy under my arms caused by the roll-on deodorant. Yeah. So I've abandoned it, preferring instead the daily shower and caldecine. Very good. I put caldecine on now under my arm. Well, after our last conversation on the right hook, the good people at caldecine sent me a big set of bumper um, tubes of calcium to give to you and I have forgotten to do so, but I will bring them in to you next week right. so I can keep you supplied with your calcine. No, but Ursula would pain her legs now. Ursula, for God's sake. Go and get checked, yeah. yeah absolutely. It's, it's not that big a deal. We have another smoker, but he's in the process of quitting, right? He's terrified his father died of cancer recently and his father never smoked. Yeah. Cancer is not... Uh, Genetic, is it? Well, lots of cancers are genetic. Are they? Oh God, yeah, yeah, loads of cancers are. I mean, bre- for breast me cancer that. is genetic. Uh, well, largely, enough, yeah? well, well, men can get breast cancer too, and lots of men do attend the breast clinic, and it's actually very difficult for them um, because people perceive it to be an, uh, a female-only cancer. But things like um, colon cancer are very often run in families, but lots, mm. lo- lots of cancers do. Um, yeah, I read this guy thing and actually felt very sorry for him. He's been trying to give up for about ten years, and he, he's finding it extremely difficult, and he's very worried about his health, and he's still finding it hard to quit the cigarette. And that you is go cold turkey on the cigarettes. There's no other way. There is other way. <laughs> there is other ways. Like uh, what? Well, first of Patches. all, nicotine replacement. No. Okay. No. And there are also other tablets you can take to, to quash cravings. Um, increase your chances of su- success statistically. I know you don't want actual statistics, but statistically by between a third and fifty percent. Just man up and go cold turkey and don't smoke. No. Don't do that unless you're really able to. But I'd say this guy has failed repeatedly to do that. He should probably go on to nicotine replacement. And even if that is an e-cigarette, at this point, this guy is desperate. We need to move him forward off the cigarettes right, right, onto George, probably George, nicotine George, replacement George. because he's looking for help, George. And You're on. unbelievably populist. You come in here and you tell people one day, one day here instead of giving them a rollicking and a kick up the backside. I'm actually <laughs> hoping to give them something useful as opposed to a rollicking. You just want to give them a rollicking. I'd actually right. like this guy to quit smoking. Now, I, I mean, I have great sympathy for this person uh, gets fiercely itchy after a shower or a swim. Yeah. How do you get fiercely itchy after a shower? This guy has sensitive skin and may in fact have, when he was little, have had eczema or that kind of thing, or may not have had, but he has yeah. sensitive skin. And what, obviously, whatever he's using in the shower, which probably is Nobody's a shower changed, gel. He's changed it constantly. Yeah, to, to probably other stuff that's, that's the same. crap as well. <laughs> he right. needs to be using something very basic like Silcox base, which you buy in a big, huge tub and it's as cheap as chips in your chemist and you smudge it into your face cloth or something because otherwise it'll just slip down the plug hole and you use something that's non-soap based to wash yourself with. You don't have a very, very hot shower that'll irritate the skin. You have a, a kind of a tepid shower and afterwards you need to moisturise. And when he swims, I presume he's either in salt water or, or chlorinated water, which are both irritating as well. So he needs to be careful what he uses in the water that he gets into and then he needs to moisturise afterwards. And he may need for a period of time to desensitise himself to take antihistamines. Uh, now, well done. 
Now, that was a really good answer. Thanks very much. Yeah, really helpful. Leo, now, what about poor old Leo? Do I find this Do you think this is Leo Varadkar? Because that's what I was thinking when I read it. <laughs> you just don't like poor old Leo. Although he I got, love Leo. He got a ticket to the match yesterday. I must ask him where he got the ticket. Anyway, his throat feels like it's tightening. I had a sandwich earlier, very hard to swallow. Just had a biscuit and I had to almost liquefy it to swallow. What causes that? Well, I'd say if you're someone like Leo and you're making lots of speeches and stuff I like that. <laughs> no, um, have criticised me for being. Uh, uh, anyway, go on. Okay, this guy has some problems swallowing. Now, there's two things possibly going on. And one is is that he is maybe worrying about it, and that could be causing some of the problems. There is a thing George called globus hystericus, where where you start to worry about your swallow, and your swallow becomes worse. But here's the thing for anyone listening to the program, anyone around the country. Difficulty swallowing is one of our little red flags we have in medicine, that if someone has difficulty swallowing, they need, 100% of them, need to put a camera down and need to have uh, an investigation done to make sure that there's nothing going on to compromise their swallow, that that's important that we don't miss. So this person with their difficulty swallowing the sandwich and all that kind of stuff, they need to actually go and they need to have um, this looked into it's probably nothing, it could even just be nerves, but they need to have it looked okay. into, it's very important. Well listen, uh, ringing in the ears and occasional headaches. Now, this happened after a root canal and he's had it for almost six months. This is tinnitus or whatever. Yeah, a headache and, and, and tinnitus, so the ringing in the ears, um, does probably need to be investigated. The investigation... I thought you couldn't fix tinnitus. You can't really fix tinnitus, but occasionally your tinnitus is caused by something that we want to know about. So an MRI of your brain is warranted for most people with tinnitus. Um, that's very difficult to get if you're a public patient. So if you're a medical card patient, your GP, for example, can't refer you for an MRI of the brain. They'd have to refer you to an outpatient clinic. Um, but if you are a private patient and if you have health insurance, it's a relatively straightforward thing and it should be covered. But we would be considering an MRI of the brain in this person. Right. Somebody is 50, still being diagnosed, but they are leaning towards auto immune tissue tissue deficiency he's broken out in a very severe rash all over his body or her body coupled with psoriasis okay what's that I think this person has some kind uh, have uh, an autoimmune deficiency that's probably probably low in, in immunoglobulins. I'm not quite sure because what 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 you've just read out doesn't entirely make sense. And I don't mean any disrespectful way, George, but I don't I don't quite know what that means. Um, somebody with psoriasis and, and a bad rash, they need to see a, a dermatologist or possibly in this case, if they've been diagnosed an immunologist. Um, it's probably beyond our scope because this looks like it's very specialised. And sometimes in fairness, psoriasis can be relatively hard to treat, although for some people it's, 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 it's relatively simple. It's impossible to treat, I thought. Well, they put you in these kind of salt water baths and I remember my father like. Did he have it? Oh, I mean, like the bed in the morning would just be a wash. Back in your them. dad's day, they probably used cold tar bandages, did they? They used to slap remember, this very pungent, like, smelly I, stuff I, on them. The him. number of people who have this near incurable, but but awful things, psoriasis, I feel so much sympathy. Absolutely. One of the things about it as well is, is that it gets worse with stress and people often become stressed yeah. about their psoriasis and it becomes like a vicious circle. Yeah. Sometimes you actually have to treat their stress right. levels as well. Two very quick questions. I know uh, the producer will allow me to do it. One is, somebody gets a blinding headache after sex. Okay. I would have thought they're lucky. I mean, I'd settle for a blinding headache. No, it's actually a blinding headache for people. Uh, Post-coital migraine is what that's... Uh, no, is it? It is. Is it, it real? 
Oh yeah, it's totally real. It's a form of migraine. It's, it's it's not that common, but it's a form of migraine. There are medications you can take that are preventative, but you'd have to go to your GP to have a uh, prescription generated for that. But there are there are medications you can take to reduce the incident of it.